welcome to another episode of Sawdust Nation Podcast with AJ from Crafted at NJ and myself, Josh, from North Country Woodworking. Well, I think we have a big announcement, do we not? We do, we do. First off, uh, this is episode 22, so just so uh, everybody knows, we are after 21 and 22 comes next. We are learning how to count slowly here, just bear with us. So anyway... Yes, uh, besides it being episode 22, we do have a big announcement, and uh, we want to really thank Total Boat for uh, coming along board with the Sawdust Nation podcast and uh, sponsoring us. Uh, they did send both of us uh, some big boxes of goodies, and you know, I know you did a, a story and a live on it. You know, you posted about it. I just did one actually just recently today, and um, they sent us a whole bunch of stuff, and really, I'm completely grateful for it. I know you are as well. It's a it's a big milestone for us, you know, to have a company like them along board with us, you know, while we go through this whole woodworking journey, both in the podcast and in our shops. Big thank you from the Sawdust Nation to Total Boat. You'll be seeing more and more from them as we go along. Definitely. I know they're going to be used in a, you know, we already use them in our shop. So it's not like this is going to be the first time using it. You have them, you use them, I've used them, and... um Every time I used it, it was always, you know, I always wanted to pick up more stuff, try different things out, you know, and we got quite a few things that we're going to be able to use for the first time. Uh, I know myself, I'm definitely be able to use a few new products and then be able to come onto the podcast. And that's what we wanted to do. We wanted to reach out to somebody to, you know, bring them along board with us and then also be able to bring that content to you guys because we want to inform you of what we're using um, you know, different uh, types of products, how to use them, what the right way to use them. I'm stumbling on my words because I, I, you know, I don't know exactly what to say because this is all new to us. Well, I think you hit it on the head perfectly. It's a product that we've been using. We enjoy using product that we continue to use. Mm -hmm. um, honestly, the day that we got that package, I opened it up and had to use some epoxy that day yep. because I got in a bind. I talked to you about it. I think did some posts. I was inlaying a coin in one of the hammers I was doing, and all of a sudden, the epoxy that I was using wasn't setting right. Probably an error on my part. Maybe it mixed a little too much of either ore, or, you know, I scraped the sides. It could have been anything. Yeah. But I was able to remove the coin, clean it up, and then reapply it with the epoxy that we were given. And I'm telling you, the high-performance epoxy from Total Boat is, was a lightsaber. Oh, yeah, definitely. Really big thank you to goes, goes out to Total Boat. Thank you again from both Josh and myself and uh, the Sawdust Nation podcast. So besides ranting about Total Boat and how awesome they are, what's in your shop, sir? Well, man, it goes to you. What's in your shop? Man, why, why do I have to go first? Anyway. Well, <laughs> we take turns. I know, I know. So, um, <laughs> you know, same old, same old as usual. Um, I've been trying to get quite a bit knocked out and caught up. So I got, uh, right now I got a lot of flags that are in the process of being cleared or drying with a couple coats on them. Got two coin racks that are done. I got a three foot coin rack and then a two foot coin rack. Uh, the two footer was a little bit of a challenge because I wanted to make enough room be between the racks so that they'd still be able to fit, you know, a larger coin. And, um, I had to come up with a good way to do it. So it would look uniformed and fit right. So actually I got like on this two foot which is 13 inches high. I got four racks, um, two shorter ones and two longer ones. I'll be posting about that a little bit later today. 
Um, the yoga signs are all cleared. So I just got to actually clear the backs of them because I, I got into the habit of clearing both front and back of everything that I do, flags included. So um, got a lot of clear that's going down today. Hopefully I don't run out of any because I didn't check stock on a certain one that, I don't know, that mat. I think I'm running low on that mat and I hope I have enough. So uh, if not, I'll be hitting up Amazon to pick up a little bit more. On top of that, um, got a lot of CNC work that is in the works, as I would say. And um, I just got to go down there, sit down and just get to it because, you know, it's a lot of different things. I got one project that's three of the same. So I'm trying to figure out if I can cut it all at once or I got to do it in, you know, two or three steps. So and then, uh, you know, that flag is still glooming over or looming over me because, you know, <laughs> I, it's it's a big project. And then on top of that, I got a lot of other stuff that's uh, come about. Got a lot of holiday orders that got to go out. So I got a lot going on. Um, but besides, you know, the normal stuff, um, one thing that's out of the realm of normal for me is I have to make a coffee cup rack. So it's going to be like, um, I think it's going to be more rectangular than square, but it's going to have a uh, three quarter, three quarter or an inch dowel. And then I'm going to drill little dowel holes into it to accept the coffee cup like peg. So they'll, they'll be able to mount this onto a wall and then hang their coffee cups off of it. Never made one before. I see a lot of plans online. So I'm kind of going off of a few of them put together and make my own. And, um, I have actually walnut dowels and I'm not sure how I'm going to be using them or not. Hmm. You got to have some kind of walnut, right? Absolutely. <laughs> Are you going to stain the back at all or um, what's your plans with, what's your color scheme for this project? You know, I, I don't know. It's a gift for somebody uh, from somebody else. So that somebody else messaged me and said, hey, could you make this? And I went, yeah, sure. They wanted it tailored to, to their specifications because the one that they showed me is huge. I mean, this thing could hold mm-hmm. probably like 100 cups or something like that. But um, I think what I'm going to do is I'm going to probably – I one, I got to ask them what their color scheme is. And I don't know if I want the back open or not. Um, the one plan that I saw had this, you know, rectangular box with the dowels through it. And then on top of that, they put, uh, almost like made it look like shiplap in the back of it. Then they painted the frame black and the shiplap look white. So I got to see what their color scheme is, um, how they want it. Maybe they even want it unfinished. I'm really not sure right now. Once I do know, then I'll be letting you know and uh, come to the podcast with it. I would wait until I figure out, you know, what they wanted done for us a color scheme before I went in and threw the walnut <laughs> dowels on there because you don't want to paint walnut. No, no, no. I don't <laughs> I d- highly doubt I'm going to use the walnut dowels. I, it kind of just popped in my head. I know you love walnut. I do as well. Absolutely. So, you know, but got to put some unnecessary walnut in there. But for that one, I believe that either A, it's going to be stained or painted. So, of course, no, I'll, I'll probably use some birch or something like that. I have an, another smaller – and, you know, the plans that I saw called for metal dowels uh, at, for the coffee cup holder. And the reason that they did it was so it was a little stronger than a wooden dowel. And, I'm, mm-hmm. I mean, the coffee cups are empty. It's not like you're putting a steel coffee cup on it. What size dowels does the are they calling for? Because I can't think of any. Unless you're using like I don't know oh, one eighth. <laughs> it wasn't. It wasn't terribly big, but I was like, I I don't I don't really know about that. Why 
Why would I want to use a metal one? I get it for the structure, but I mean, if you put a wooden dowel, I mean, you're not hanging it off the tip of the wooden dowel. It's going to be closer no. to the base where the glue is. Well, you're going to think that the coffee cup structure itself is, you know, cylindrical, and that it's going to be actually bringing the mug handle away from the back or just a little bit. But that should not affect the structural integrity of the dowel itself. If you use like anything of, like a quarter, a half, you're be more than fine. Oh yeah, you know what I'm saying I, I think I have quarter inch. Um, they're actually using quarter inch uh, for the the hanger dowel. So I mean, and yeah. they hang right off the co- coffee cup handle itself. It's not that they're mm-hmm. you know that they're sliding like the cup over the dowel. So you don't, yeah. it, you really have a lot of weight that's right at the base of it. So like I said, you put some glue on there, unless you yank the cup off of it, I can't see it going anywhere. So I'm just sticking with wood dowels and calling it a day. Yeah, I would. Absolutely. You would? Are wood? you going to try to reinforce it at all with like any kind of screws or anything from the back? Or hmm. are you just going to glue it and uh, forget it? I think what I'm going to do is I'm just going to drill, uh, well, I'm going to drill a Forstner, you know, a Forstner bit in. Uh, probably deep enough, you know, that it's got some structure into the mm-hmm. larger dowel and then just pack it full of glue and call it a day. I, I don't think I'm going to need anything else on top of that. Even if you put a, a screw, you know, you might see, especially if you get something that's with a little bit bigger head, since, you know, you're not using, you know, huge, huge dowel, um, then you got to get it centered. It's going to be a whole nightmare. Might as well just, you know, call it quits and just say, Use just the glue itself. I mean, you know as well as I do. When you're using a certain glue, you know, I use Type Bond, you use Type Bond. Mm-hmm. You put that stuff together, it's not breaking at that glue joint. So, and that's literally. Oh, absolutely not. I was just wondering because, like, we were talking about your coin rack and how <laughs> you use screws and glue on there. So I was just trying to, you know, trying to see where that begins and that ends for you, you as far as like glue and gird. You know, I was. I, I put together that two foot coin rack and I must have used, I think I used four screws for the shorter racks and I think like six screws for the longer one. They're not going, I don't know how much these coins weigh in my head, but for some reason I'm thinking that they're going to load these things up to the point where it's like a, a sack full of coins hanging off of just like one little edge of this coin rack. They put the little five uh, pound weights there they must <laughs> It'd be I, fine man i this thing would withstand anything they throw at it so to put some coins on it i don't think it's going to go anywhere so i literally used 12 i probably used at least 22 screws in the two foot flag a small child could hang off one of those yeah it's it's not going anywhere i almost had to use a fork forklift to to move it but that makes sense <laughs> but yes i <laughs> I don't think I have to I have to limit the you know I think my biggest issue is with the screw amount I want to make sure that there's no wave to those um coin racks mm-hmm. I want to make sure okay. that they stay yeah. nice and level so I think I go a little overboard because of that especially you know using pine this 2 foot one's made out of ash um so it, you know it didn't move as much as the pine I'm mm-hmm. afraid that if I put it on there and only put a couple then my luck, you'd look at it and maybe there would be a bow in the center or something like that. I just want to make sure it's going to last. I definitely go overboard with it, but I know it'll, I know it will last. Yeah. It, <laughs> no doubt. So, no doubt in my mind. So besides my shop uh, and what's going in, uh, 
what's happening in there and my use of a lot of screws and glue. What's going on in your, in your shop, if I can get that out? <laughs> well, um, it's kind of carryover from last week. I'm still working on the – well, I did give away uh, one of the hammers I built and then the other hammer inlaid the coin, did the laser engraving. Um, the client came around and grabbed those, um, got it done in the nick of time. The client's uh, gift was for someone leaving the next day. So um, without Total Boat's high-performance epoxy, I would not have been able to get that out the door like I did. So that's now my go-to for this project. I'm actually building another one. And that is, I would say, three quarters of the way done. Everything's been laser engraved. The coin has been already set. Mm -hmm. I just have to put the handle on the head and then obviously glue it up with that. Put the capstone on the head. Clean it up as much as possible. Use a wipe on poly and it's ready to go. So Mm -hmm. uh, my plan is actually try to get that knocked out today or tonight. Um, If I can get that knocked out and both hammers out of the shop, that's two projects out. I'm still working on the patch for the military working dog. I actually painted the lettering and uh, placed them mm-hmm. around about where I want them on the Edge logo. Okay. I'm going to be doing the backer, probably out of three-quarter inch ply, and then staining it a dark color, and then building a little shelf for it as well, so that the patch will go on to the three-quarter inch ply, and then below it, they can put some glasses for uh, where they hang it. Pretty much going to use it for their uh, liquor station. And then that project should be going out hopefully by the end of this week, if everything goes well. Mm-hmm. I have to redo the Christmas plate because I, it's just not coming out the way I wanted to. And because of all the errors that I made, I had to sand it down, sand it down. And it got to a point where it's just it was too thin for what I wanted to give out. Mm-hmm. So I'm going to cut up some ash, glue it together, and just reaccomplish that. I got the laser working, so I'm going to throw it on there, let it do its cutting. And while that's doing that, I'll be doing a flag on the CNC itself. Nice. And that's going to be turning into a coin holder, much like yours. Mm -hmm. But I'm going to try to utilize the CNC just a little bit more because I'm going to try to knock a couple of these out Mm -hmm. just because I am on a military base. A lot of people do ask for these. And if I get a lot in, I can use the CNC while I'm making one and go back and forth. It means I get two out for the same amount of time. Mm -hmm. But uh, I'm busy in the shop. I got a lot going on. Usually when my kids go to bed and it gets to a certain time, I can't make a lot of noise in there. So I was out there a little late um, this last, uh, this weekend, mm-hmm. this weekend I was out there. I was just kind of tinkering out and I'm looking at my French cleat wall and I'm like, this doesn't make sense. Yep. I, I don't like how it is right now. So I start moving things around and, you know, just tinkering a little bit and I'm looking around and I'm like, there's a couple of things in this shop that don't make sense right now. And it's been keeping me up at night, man. Like <laughs> I go to bed and I'm just thinking about shop layout. I just cannot sleep. Like I'm sitting there at 2 a.m., eyes red and puffy. And I'm like, where am I going to put that drum sander? Hey, I know it keeps you up at night. My my shop layout is kind of the same way. I kind of look at it every time I walk into my shop, it, you know, just to get everybody on like kind of a little similar page. Josh had sent me some pictures, videos, and explained what his shop was. Pictures and videos of the shop. Yes, yes. PG. Very G, actually. So he sent me um, some things. And what we want to talk about today is, you know, go over his shop layout. Maybe um, have some people call in, you know, on our hotline. And then we can get expert in, uh, advice. <laughs> <laughs> no, but we want to go over, you know, kind of what his shop layout is and hash it back and forth and see what we can kind of come up with so he can have the best shop out there. So besides me cutting you off completely, 
what else is um, keeping you up at night besides your French cleat, your um, du- um, I almost said your dust collector, your drum sander. There you go. So we've done a couple episodes about shop layout. We've talked about it quite a few times because it's an ever growing thing. Mm-hmm. Now that I have some tools like my drum sander, I, it's been sitting on a work surface. Which is great because it's, you know, I use it all the time. But I want that work surface back. I've been thinking about taking my table saw, actually putting it into a stationary structure with an outfit table, you know, like most of the big boys and girls out there have. I have my dust collection. It's working really well. I do not need to bring it out like I used to to try to get rid of some of this dust. But let's break it down. <clears throat> so you walk in my shop on the left-hand side. You have a overall bench with my laser engraver there, a toolbox. You move a little further uh, on the left. There's a drill press and right now my miter saw station. And then you go a little further than that. You have a little cleared out area and you have my power tools on a cleat wall and a shelf. Then going out around the shop in like a U, so we're toward the back now. Mm-hmm. You have some slabs. You have some little additional storage for currently my paints and primers and all that. And then you have my bandsaw. And then usually my cart, one of my two carts, will sit between my bandsaw and my jointer. After my joiner, you have my big station for my CNC. Mm-hmm. I'm obviously trying to think of changes to better utilize my shop. Now, if I did a stationary platform for my table saw, I would also build my router table into it with an addition of the outfit table. So it would literally take my cart, my entire cart out of the picture. Mm-hmm. So that would generate some more room. Now, the only issues I have is I have three major tools that I haven't mentioned. My drum sander, I have my planer, and then I have the rigid oscillating sander. These are pretty decent-sized tools. I need to find them a home as well. Mm -hmm. So my first thought, I have to keep plywood against a far wall kind of with where my bandsaw is and take that and move it to the other side where my French cleat with my power tools Mm -hmm. are. That way, that wall gets kind of cleaned up. I have more space to push things to the wall, utilize that section. But I don't know where I would put my bandsaw because I kind of like it where it is. I would have to find a new home for that. I would have to figure out, you know, a system for those three tools I mentioned. In addition, the power tool wall with the French cleat is coming down. Where my miter saw is Mm -hmm. on the right, it's kind of like a crevice area. And it's just kind of like random tools in there. Well... I'm going to actually utilize that a little bit better. I'm going to actually build like a large drawer for that. And any kind of, you know, big box tools I have can go where the CNC is. Like, you know, my the Porter Cable dovetail oh, yeah, jig yeah, yeah. going in there, my uh, my router, um, stuff like that. So anything in like a natural container. So just real quick, I know I know one thing that I don't think you mentioned. The only thing that kind of hinders you a little bit from having full use of the space is the step up that you have towards like the back area. Absolutely. I have like a six inch step up that's like three or four feet from the back. And that's where you see my wood Mm -hmm. and my slabs hanging out and some clamps. And I also have a shelf over there Mm -hmm. in like the deep freezer. That's what that's being utilized as because I can't push any tools over there. Yep. Now, one thing that I learned because I was dealing with it in my shop you know, with that step up, I'm almost looking at it because I'm looking at the picture right now. And one thing I learned in my shop, because, you know, I wanted shelves. I wanted those, you know, floor yeah. shelves and whatnot. I actually got rid of those 
in the very beginning because they took up a lot of valuable uh, floor space. So uh-huh. while looking at your shop, I see the slabs. You know, if you're looking at from the outside in, uh, slabs are to the left. You got this shelving unit that's there with a lot of cans on it. It looks like spray cans and whatnot. Um, what about doing maybe wall-mounted shelves to get to get that shelf unit out? Maybe you can make them a little longer, utilize more space that's higher, put stuff that you don't use, you know, at the top and work your way down. Then at least maybe then you could even put either the freezer underneath that area. So you can kind of now stack everything instead of having that um, shelf take up valuable floor space, especially in our small shops. Floor space is everything. So, you know, there's a lot of things. I was even thinking you said it's three foot from the wall to the step down. Yeah, give or take. So you couldn't even, I was almost thinking maybe you could actually use that area for a bench. You know, if it was wide enough, you could put your workbench up there instead of uh, having it, you know, I don't know if you have like a workbench like I do, where it's kind of like a an, a do-it-all workbench, because like I have my outfeed yeah. table, which I pretty much do everything there, but behind me, I have a, like a meg shift bench that my father and I put together that I could, you know, spill oil all over it. I, it doesn't matter what mm-hmm. gets on it. Um, but that could be almost like a do it all bench area, but if it's only three foot, I mean, that would be the whole, almost the whole bench. Well, well, I mean like three foot from the wall to where the step up is, it's it's a still 11 feet wide, but the bench that you're referring to, I had the same thing when you first walk in on the left where my laser engraver is. Oh yeah. That's that bench. Okay. The only problem with that area is there's no plugs. Mm. There's only one plug and that's for like a deep freezer area. So I can't really put anything with power in that general, you know, area. So I like your shelf idea. I'm going to put most of my, my can stuff like, um, the polygrylic, the spray cans. I'm going to actually build a shelf for them under where my French cleat is. Mm-hmm. That's where I'm thinking I want it. And I was going to leave that shelving there just for now. Cause I want to be able to put some end products there, but there's also other things available. Like, you know, there might be the swing shelves, the metal ones that come out were like a drying rack that I could utilize over there. When I'm not using that particular uh, system, mm-hmm. I can go ahead, swing it out, put the product there. And then when it's gone, put it away. Yep. I guess the big questions I have, the big things I want to, to solve, maybe not here today, but at least start working toward is find a place for my rigid oscillating sander, my planer and the drum sander. Mm-hmm. Uh, three big tools that I really don't have an idea how I'd put those in the shop without building an additional cart for them. Mm-hmm. Um, I thought about a flip cart, like uh, Petrie's workshop. He has a pretty good flip cart that has his drum sander on there with his planer. It's great, but it's also fairly large. Mm-hmm. And I'm going to need a large area for my drum sander as well, but I'm trying to utilize the space as smartly as I can. Real, I'm I'm sorry to keep cutting you off, but real on that step up, <clears throat> it's 11 foot wide, three foot deep. Let's just say no power gets used over there because you said there's no plugs. But couldn't yeah. you use that as a tool storage? You know, maybe make a cart for you know, like a flip cart for the planer and the the uh, drum sander, and then build just a little ramp that you can move out of the way. Roll it up there, park it, and you're done. And when you need it, then you can roll it down. Or does, because I see there's a door as well. Does that come off of that step up? Uh, the door doesn't come off the step up. It's uh, before the step up okay. itself. I don't think there'd be enough room up there because that's where I've been storing my slabs as mm-hmm. well. Because I have to find a place for those. I don't have any other place in the shop 
on the main floor to put those. I thought about putting them up on a shelf, but some of those slabs are fairly big. Oh, yeah. I have a walnut slab that's over eight feet tall and seven inches thick. It needs to be in the ground. Yeah, no. Vertical storage like you got is definitely good for that. Um, <clears throat> I'm almost thinking from the slabs over to the, to the deep freezer. Let's just say for some oh, reason, okay, yeah, you know, yeah. you did get rid of that shelf unit and put shelves up top. Mm-hmm. Then maybe you could roll up a few items like the drum sander and the planer cart, and then at least park it there to get it off of your main floor shop. I, that's one thing I like. I'm, I'm lucky enough to have an area where I can kind of shove all the stuff like my drum sanders back in the secondary yeah. room. It's just like a secondary room within the same room for you. Um, I'm just thinking of to get it up and out of your way, you know, cause like myself, I don't like clutter. I don't like when things are kind of around me. So if I could push stuff away from me and still have it at the ready, that would be even better. That's why I'm looking at this going, you can make a little ramp, you know, and then, uh, just, you know, run it up there, park it. It's almost like a, a parking lot for all your tools. I would have to think about that and actually look at the step up again and see how feasible it would be. The way I've been looking at the shop, the rigid oscillating sander, if it, it can go on a bench type area and be fine, especially if it lives there. So the winning plan right now, which it ain't finalized, and I'm still trying to figure out the best way to utilize the space, pretty much keep the left-hand side the way it is, mm-hmm. additional bench, for the oscillating sander and then a small cart that is rollable for the planer. So it parks right there. Mm. Okay. Yeah, definitely good ideas. For the drum sander, build its entirely its own bench. Maybe have it so it can go underneath where the oscillating sander is. Mm-hmm. That way it can park underneath when it's not being used and I can pull it out. So that space would be all taken up by two different machines but I can utilize them both. You're saying to build something for the um, oscillating sander and then be able to roll your drum sander underneath it? Yeah, so build a bench that is long enough to host drum sander underneath it on a small cart. Mm-hmm. So the cart is obviously going to be quite a bit lower because the drum sander is quite high. I think it's like two feet. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Build it so it can park underneath that, put my oscillating rigid sander on top of it. So it's almost like a sanding station all in one. Okay. For the planer, I can just have a small type cart that can roll out. I can use it and then push it back. Mm -hmm. So that little area would be taken up by the three big power tools. And then on the right-hand side, looking into the garage... I would have to figure out what to do with my bandsaw or just keep the cart I currently have and install the router. Table. Mm-hmm. Yeah, into your, into your, um, out, like outfeed table saw table. Yeah. 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 Um, I mean, it's definitely, definitely good ideas. The only thing that I can think of is, um, cause my drum sander has its own cart. My planer has nothing. It just sits literally under mm-hmm. my outfeed. I have to hoof it out each time I want to use it. Um, I was almost thinking of putting it underneath my uh, drum sander. My drum sander sits pretty high on this cart. I don't know why I did it. I don't think I calculated the, the swivels, the swivel casters into it. So now it's that extra few inches high. Uh, yeah. So I have a lot of space underneath it. So I'm thinking maybe I can house the uh, planer underneath it, pull the whole cart out when I want it plain or whatnot. But my only fear is now the planer is only going to be maybe like a foot and change off the floor. That means now I have to bend over to use it. Mm-hmm. If you build this station where the oscillating sander is up top and you have a cart underneath for the drum sander, will it be too small to be utilized comfortably? 
Because, you know, you don't want to have Absolutely. to. Absolutely. Yeah, you don't, really. <laughs> yeah, it, it would be, it would be one of those things where you have to get pretty low to actually utilize it. And that's the, that's the holdup with the plan mm-hmm. is like to build a cart where everything is comfortable and, you know, efficient to use. I really don't have the space. The question, I guess the big question is, I don't, I don't think I have the space to have a stationary setup with my table saw. I don't think the shop is wide enough. I don't think it has enough room to be utilized smart like that. I might have to keep the cart. And, you know, in the end, that's okay. I mean, like, it's not the best setup. I'm not going to be here forever. Mm -hmm. But I'm still trying to utilize space to its utmost. Okay. Big thought. What is under the CNC besides, I think, a shop vac? Okay. So underneath the CNC, I have a big open area. And that hosts right now just a shop vac. That's where I'm storing it right there. And then underneath the left side, I have two shelves. Um, the top shelf, half of that is going to be um, some drawers to host the CNC tools, bits, stuff like that. And then underneath that is where I was planning on putting my box tools and cases mm-hmm. to kind of store it so it's easily accessible. Okay. Real thought, Pete over at Petri's did the two drawers underneath like the very the bottom of the CNC table that he has. Like he doesn't have them to Mm -hmm. the side. He has them like directly underneath, if that makes sense. What if you did a couple drawers like that, put your laser underneath those drawers, and then you can still, because as I'm looking at the picture, you still have side access. So you could put maybe tools behind the laser. I don't know how deep that laser goes. The laser is, I want to say it is 20 by 20. So it's smaller than the CNC. It's smaller than the CNC, but the way I built the CNC cart is divided. Oh, okay. okay. So I would have to remove the center braces and figure out, you know, there's no way to put that laser in there. Because that, that was a thought. In the very beginning is I was going to throw that uh, laser underneath it, have a drawer similar to what I have. But then I realized it would take up so much room, I couldn't really utilize that space for anything else. Well, if you make it into the drawer like you you already have, move the center support over, you know, to accommodate it. I think then if you have the, the couple drawers, the laser, and then you'll actually still have open space on the left side. Because how wide is this CNC cart? 30-something? Oh, no, it's uh 50 Oh, so you got 50, 53. Okay. So if you divide that in half, half of 50 is 25. So now you still, if you're, if your laser is only 20 wide, then you still, you know, more than I do. When you're thinking, yeah. When you're, when you're thinking about the laser, yes, the dimensions of the laser uh, grid area, the basic laser is say 20, but the stepper motor stick out Mm -hmm. another three inches. And then you need space for that to move. Actual drawer area that I have ends up being, you know, close to like, close to 40 something, especially with the actual uh, drawer slides and everything. Mm -hmm. So now you're talking about pretty much taking the entire underneath section and making it unusable. So I, believe me, I thought about this extensively. All that aside, like you could build it to any way and make it fit. Mm -hmm. I get that. Power. Okay. Yeah. I have two power sources over there right now. One dedicated to the CNC itself, and then the other one's dedicated to the power tools that sit on that wall. Mm -hmm. Now, if I ran the laser engraver in that general area, it'd be hosting on the either CNC grid or on the power tool grid. That risks a lot of... It's going to risk the laser getting shut off, circuit blown, and then I lose a cut or something else happen at the same time. Yep. 
it's a great deal for uh, space saving. In reality, I don't think I'm going to be able to move that laser anytime soon. Okay. Yeah, I was I was just look literally looking at it, going that would be your best bet because I, I didn't know you put any center supports in it because on my CNC I have no center supports like going top to bottom. Mm-hmm. It's just a grid up top, so its structure is all in the top plate. If you want to say that, okay. So, because um, yeah. I, I literally from front to back, side to side under my CNC is wide open, and uh, I was thinking that's how yours was, which would be great because then you could house it, even if you had to run an extension cord up and over your garage door mm-hmm. for the laser, so you don't have to, you know, utilize power over over there. It it would at least just move that one thing that's its own house into something else's house and then you know use all that like that dead space up um because i like the idea of being able to stack things and stuff that pulls out like the 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 laser you have it on drawer slides to put that Mm -hmm. underneath something and not have to crawl under it to you know access it you're able to pull it out that's even a plus as well like you have now but that's why I was thinking you could almost keep the machines, you know, the the robots by themselves. But I get the power situation. And um, like I said, I, I did not know that you had it divided already. Oh, no big deal, man. Um, I, you know, there's there's tons of things I could do with that space. And I've been trying to go through them all. Uh, you know, drawers on the right-hand side for the power tools. I could throw that in there. I can make it into pretty much anything I wanted in that big area. It just made sense to throw in the shop vac because that kind of gives – me some room on the floor because right now there's really no home for that yeah stackable machines definitely a plus um i didn't think about putting the laser underneath it when i built it i just wanted to make it as rigid and solid as possible Mm because it was going to be in casters and the center support made sense for the type of build i was doing but long story short so yeah my major problems is finding places for those three machines oscillating sander from rigid the uh the belt not the bell sander the drum sander and uh, the planer. Mm-hmm. Uh, once I find homes for them, I think I'll sit a little easier. And then on top of that, continuing to look at the dimensions in the size of the shop, full potential. Yeah. I mean, you know, it, it's what, what almost needs to happen is you almost need to take every piece that you have out. Get the whole shop literally emptied out and then start fresh. You know, it's it's hard to do because, you know, you're putting it right into your driveway. So it's not like... Uh, not like you have somewhere to store it for the time being, but you know, that would be a good way to see what you have, see where you could fit it, but it would take some time. So it's, you know, it's like, really, what do you want to devote yourself to? Do you want to devote it to, you know, a couple weekends or, you know, whatnot of now redesigning the whole shop? But, you know, you definitely got some concerns, you know, of power issues, um, storage issues. Like I said, my biggest thing that I had to learn was get everything that I could off the floor. Because floor mm-hmm. space is a huge thing. So shelves, like I keep rehashing it, but shelves to me were, um, if I couldn't keep it off the floor, then um, I, I couldn't use it. Like I like I had those plastic shelving units. I got rid of them. I had two brand new ones. I, I literally had them for maybe a couple of weeks. I got rid of them because they took up so much space. And um, if you can, you know, maybe even extend your cleat wall and add even more stuff to that. Then that even helps. I, I know for a fact my my French cleat wall helped me tremendously to get certain things one organized and then two off the benches, off you know certain areas that I didn't want because as you know any horizontal surface is a place for stuff to sit and stuff is, absolutely 
stuff gets everywhere. I mean, it's all over the place. And I try getting myself organized as best I can. And I'm trying to get into the habit of um, doing like early spring cleaning, like looking at the shop mm-hmm. going, do I really, really, really need this? Or sometimes I literally look at it, go, it's garbage and don't even think about it. Just toss it. And then hopefully I never, <laughs> never need that piece that I just threw out. <laughs> but you know, <clears throat> we definitely could go on with this for hours and hours and days and days. But Speaking of um, the machines that are in our shop, the two, you know, finicky ones that are in both of our shops are our robot helpers. And, you know, you got a laser, 3D print, CNC. Um, so this can kind of all be lumped into one category. But to, for today, we're just going to focus on the CNC itself. You've had your CNC a lot less time than I have had mine. Um, so I'm really curious to know. I mean, actually, I, I can't even take this. You're really curious to know if I've done any maintenance to mine and um, <laughs> what, you know, what I had to do see, since the day I had gotten it. And then we'll touch on, you know, your CNC and, you know, if you have anything else, you know, because like I said, I know you have more maintenance on your laser than I even do on my 3D printer. My 3D printer, I just got to make sure it's greased, has filament. And it works. Um, I still have not gotten the Prusa up and running um, just because it's kind of on the back burner. I uh, really, really wanted one to really, really use. And I really haven't used it yet. So um, eventually that'll come out and play. But for my CNC, since the day I got it, um, I'm trying to think if there's any real maintenance that I've done to it besides, you know, vacuum the rails off. Mine does not have belts. It is a rack and pinion. So um, I don't have to worry about tensioning belts or anything like that. The only thing I have to worry about is the the wheels that are on it. I just have to make sure the um, eccentric nut is tightened enough where it pulls the whole, like um, all four wheels to the rail. Sometimes they like to back off just a little bit and have a little slop in it. Other than that, I try keeping the racks clean. Um, people recommend to grease them. Some people say don't grease them. So, you know, who who's... Who's to believe? I have not greased mine. Um, I'm thinking of maybe dry, throwing a some WD dry lube on it or dry graphite lube and seeing mm-hmm. how well that works because it doesn't attract dust. Because, you know, if you spray something that's going to attract the dust, now it could bind up. And you know what? Mine's working perfect uh, to my standards. You know, maybe it's not perfect to somebody who runs a huge CNC machine, but the way it's cutting mm-hmm. – I haven't had issues with it except for the router being out of uh tram, I think it is. Yeah. So I did I actually just bought a plate that some guy built uh, on the Facebook uh forums and it's so that you could tram your router perfectly square. It has all adjusters mm-hmm. on it. He made it so that it bolts up to the Z plate and um you can tram it right and it doesn't move. Because I, like I said, I ran into that one issue where I was trying to flatten in something and realized that it's way out of whack. Wasn't so much when you did a normal carve because the bits are smaller. Once you were starting to flatten, I was going to an inch overall diameter and you really notice it. But other than that, my maintenance for it, you know, like I said, blow it off, clean it, vacuum it. I kind of, I always run a homing um, sequence before I even run the machine just to make sure that everything's moving the right way. Uh, you know, I don't want to home it and it goes like c- completely opposite way and, you know, <laughs> goes about a hundred miles an hour that way. So, um, but my maintenance, it's, I think it's going to be coming up. I'm not, at, I don't think I'm at that point where I really have to be concerned about anything, um, 
you know, getting changed or whatnot, you know, that's wearing mm-hmm. out because I mean, everything, everything's steel or aluminum on this one, except the wheels. The wheels are, you know, like a, a harder plastic. Nothing's making noise. So I don't have to worry about like no bearings are locking up or anything like that. But like I said, the only thing I think I'm going to do is spray the uh, rack and pinion down with some dry graphite and call it a day. So anyway, I'm, you know, I'm not so familiar with the X-Carve and I'm curious to know because I'm pretty sure you have belts and whatnot on yours. You know, did Nick recommend to do anything? Because I know he's had his a lot longer. So um, does he do anything specific to keeping up with maintenance as well that he might have recommended? Well, Nick from MPG Creations did recommend to check the belts, make sure they're dirt tight and ready to go. He helped me adjust uh, initially. That way I kind of knew the the feel of the belt mm-hmm. and the sound. And then he told me different ways to adjust for, you know, different movements that I'm seeing when I'm doing uh, actual carve. Mm-hmm. You saw me, we hit on it last episode where I actually did a little bit of maintenance where I leveled my bed because my bed wasn't level and I needed a level surface to do some of the fine carving that I'm trying to do. The belts, I, I check them every once in a while when I think of them, but uh, I don't think they're just going to go loose anytime soon. That's going to be something that's going to happen. I'll probably forget to check them for a couple months and then realize they're loose and need to tighten them. And that's not that big of a deal. You can tighten them fairly easy. But other than that, I don't foresee there being much maintenance needing to be done right away. Like you said, just because our machines are fairly new, you know, we don't use them for eight hours every day, regardless, they're getting sawdust and everything else on them. So like you said, blow them off, you know, make sure there's nothing on the tracks that, you know, it's going to interfere with their movement, run them through their paces, make sure they can go on the grid just fine. And the other CNC that I, <laughs> that I like to adjust is my laser engraver. I like to make sure that it's ready to go and operating smoothly. Now, as a good friend of mine once said, if something's operating smoothly, don't mess with it because that's what I did my laser. I had the whole, was it, I think, week where my mm-hmm. laser was acting funny and it was after I adjusted it. I thought that the belts weren't tight enough, so I went and tightened them and I basically made my own problem. Um, I had to loosen them up, I loosened them up and it was working better, but still not at its performance level. And then I just took it step by step and did little test carves in between until I got the right tightness. Now I have a good, really good indication of how tight those need to be. Mm-hmm. If you have a diode laser, a couple of things to think about that is not going to hurt your setup at all is to make sure that you clean off the lens. So if you're going to be burning anything with um, like a protective coating, like a primer or anything like that, some kind of paint, um, you got to be careful because those will actually cause fumes and actually smoke up your mirror and you have to clean that every once in a while and you actually notice it once you clean it because it would be a better burn so i mean there's maintenance on any kind of cnc machine or any machines in your shop some of them are kind of more intuitive than others cnc machines are just kind of one of those things if it's working fine you shouldn't probably play with it in any other way i learned that the hard way but i do believe we have a question from Trails Custom Woodworks. Hi guys, it's Trails Custom Woodworks with another weekly question for your awesome podcast. This week's question is on how do you heat your shop in the winter months? I know it's cold and I myself have a wood stove in my shop and I heat it with wood scraps and some split wood from out back. Do you ever plan to change your main heat source in your shop? If so, why would you improve it? Keep up the great work and go make some sawdust. Thank you. So thank you for the question, Trails. And um, 
I've mentioned it before. I don't know. I'm pretty sure I mentioned it on here. And if I didn't, I apologize. The way I heat my shop, and I've had this since I moved in, is I have a little diesel-fired heater that uh, we sell at our job. It, it's it's easy. I hook it up to a little transformer for 12 volt, and then a little five gallon bucket of uh, diesel it has its own pump. So it, I mean, it, I can get that shop up if it's like 30 degrees out. Let's just say. I mean, I know that's not breaking the cold meter, but if it's 30 and windy, I can get that shop up to easily a balmy 75, 80. <laughs> I mean, I can literally grow palm trees in my shop on most given days because it, it gets so warm in there. Um, but even last year when it was really, really cold out, uh, you know, during the snowy winter months, I mean, it was down to zero, you know, even below that where I am, it got, it got really warm in that shop. A lot of the times it'll take the chill out. I mean, of course it's not like we're, I'm in, you know, swimwear and whatnot. I mean, I, I know everybody would like that. <clears throat> no? Well, it's got awkward. <laughs> anyway, but you know, it's not like I can just walk around in, in um, a t-shirt and shorts. It still has that little chill factor to it because it is a concrete floor. I don't have anything on it. You know, the heat works. It works to take the chill out. It works to get it warm and keep it warm. And then most of the days it'll run pretty much from the second I wake up till the second I stop working in there. And others, I'll run it for a few hours and then shut it off and, you know, it'll be pretty good unless, you know, I have to open the garage door or something like that. But I'm lucky enough to have a, a door to lead outside so I don't have to open the garage door all the time unless I have something big coming in or whatnot like that. That's my heat source. I got a little diesel-fired heater. The only problem with it is doing stories and whatnot. It just sounds like a jet engine in the background, and that's it. Yeah, talk about stories and loudness real quick. The CNC. Because I don't have that separate room. Hmm. If I don't make a story that day, it's because I have the CNC going. Okay, back to the heating question. Heating. I got this little space heater that basically oscillates back and forth and heats up my 21 by 11 little workshop. And I, it holds heat in there fairly well. It's such a small area, especially when it's, I start working, doing anything in there. It, it heats up pretty good. 60 is about where I keep it for the most time. If it goes above that, it's because it's getting hotter outside or it just happens to be hotter in there. Mm -hmm. that, that's about it. I don't plan on changing it because I don't have the <laughs> the amount of power to output to anything more. And if it's really so cold in there, that little space heater is not keeping up with anything, then I'm probably not going to go in the shop or I'm just going to be wearing some heavier clothes. And, and the cat agrees. She does. She keeps stopping uh, the recording and making it even better. She's, you know, she's stopping it on purpose. She's trying to tell you that you can't talk anymore, and she wants to take over. I don't know if she's doing much talking. She'll just rub on the mic and knock what she's currently trying to do, knock things off the desk. You know, f for some reason, my, my imagination goes wild when it comes to that. Imagine she has her own podcast, and when you're sleeping, she's doing it, just rubbing into the mic. And she probably has like a million followers. Think about that. Think about that when you go to sleep next. Well, I, I can rest assured that's not the case. Of course, she's not with me most of the night, but she usually sleeps right next mm -hmm. to me. So maybe she's uh, her ah. way of keeping an eye on me. So when I fall asleep, she can come down and use my equipment. There you go. That's why there's hair all over the, the uh, mic all the nope. time. See? <laughs> well, anyway, I think uh, I mean, we touched on that with the heat. I'm not, I can't change anything. Uh, my heater, once again, is mounted. The only thing that's on the floor is the um, five-gallon bucket of diesel. 
And I don't have just an open container. It does have a lid. So it's not like just this open container of diesel. That's safe. Yeah. But I mean, it works out. You know, I don't have any problems with it. It's It heats the shop up really well. I can't put a wood-burning stove in. I wouldn't want that. Now I got to start. All I do is I press a button and this thing's on. You know, it, it fires up and that's it. If I had a bigger shop and it was my own home in a detached garage, I would absolutely have a wood-burning stove. Like Trail said, you can throw scrap and stuff in there, just keep it heated. It heats really good. Um, but, I mean, like, I'm already having issues <laughs> with space. Yeah. Like, I have the tools. I just have to find the space for them. And it's just one of those things where it makes sense to have a little space heater for the little space I have. You know, wood-burning stove is great. The problem is if now you have to chop wood. Now that's extra time that gets taken away from shop time. What if you don't want to chop wood? What if you really go like, eh, I don't feel like it. I mean, you could buy it, but now you got to spend money for it. I'm not saying that'd be the primary heat. It would just be like, oh, I have a lot of scrap. Let's start that up. That's what fire pits are for. Yeah, you can burn scrap. <laughs> I mean, nice walnut fire on a Christmas Eve morning. On a Christmas. Is it, it anytime you have a walnut fire, it's always a Christmas Eve morning? No, but walnut's special to me. So if you're burning it, it better be a holiday. Oh, yeah, yeah. I burned some like a couple weeks ago and it wasn't a holiday. So I don't know what you want to consider that. A crime against humanity. Oh, walnut, real quick. We'll hit on this um, random. But uh, man, the walnut I have is so beautiful. Like every time I cut into it, I sit there and I'm like, do I really want to use it for this project? What is it from those big, those two big chunks? Yeah, man, I'm telling you, like uh, the actual hammers and like um, I had to cut a piece off from another chunk mm-hmm. I had. And you see it and it has purple in it, a little bit of green. I mean, like it's just. Oh, it's a beautiful wood. Oh, it definitely is. Is that the stuff that was spalted that you put on the mallet you gave me? It did come from that, yes. Yeah, that was some nice stuff. And it and since you said it's got purple and green, it was probably air-dried. Yeah, it was air-dried. It actually came from New Jersey Wood Forever. Got most of my slabs from him. Most of the stuff has been air-dried. Definitely worth it. I mean, like you might have to wait for some of this a little bit longer. But the coloration and the stuff you get out of these pieces are just amazing. Definitely is. Walnut's definitely one of those ones that I kind of fell into. Um, I knew everybody used it. I knew everybody talked about it. But when I was first starting, you know, pine was it. That was all I was using. Never touched anything else. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, I, I picked up a couple pieces from uh, my local spot, Boards and Beams. And um, I didn't know what I was going to do with it since I was so new. And later on, I came to find out that that was actually air-dried because of the coloration that was in it. And um you know, Walnut has slowly become part of the shop in a few other builds. Um, actually, speaking of Walnut in a build, I think I'm going to do, I got to make a, uh, I was commissioned by the lovely wife. <clears throat> if she's listening, I think she's doing yoga right now, but she needs um, uh tea box, like tea bag holder. Oh, so yeah, I, yeah. I think uh, I'm going to use, I got a bunch of walnuts still downstairs. So I think I'm going to do that. Maybe do some of those, um, I got that Rockler doweling jig for the corners, the miter. Mm-hmm. So I'm I'm going to probably do that, add a couple little things here and there for it, and um, see how that comes out. But I'll definitely use walnut for it. Tools well. You know, it's great addition to your shop, Absolutely. anybody's shop, to be honest. And, uh, I mean, you could do a bunch of different things with it. So walnut's definitely going to stick around. Yeah, definitely, man. Uh, when I was combing through the pieces I had to go cut that piece, I'm going to tell you what, my firm grip gloves mm-hmm. – they came in handy. There's a lot of rough pieces, a lot of bark and stuff like that. And the heavy-duty gloves they have definitely came in handy, especially running it through the bandsaw. 
I was able to maintain more mm-hmm. control. And then <laughs> I got a phone call. I was able to pick it up, answer the call because they had the smart mm-hmm. touch of all their gloves. Nice. So they're pretty good. You'll be seeing those during the safety week coming up. Uh, being putting those to use, just waiting on some products from uh, Bow Products and Featherboards. You can check them out on Instagram as well. They're worth checking out. Look out for the safety week. We're still trying to put everything together so we can, you know, give you a, a great week of tips, tricks, and some of the equipment we use to keep ourselves safe mm-hmm. workshop. But with that, I think we're going to wrap it up. Yep. What do yeah, you think? Yeah, definitely. Well, uh, let the listening audience know how they can contact us. Well, as always, you can contact us on our Instagram pages. You have Crafted and NJ. That's AJ over there going yo, 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 the bro, the man. And then myself, North Country Woodworking. You can also contact us on the Instagram page for the podcast, which is Sawdust Nation Podcast. We have a Gmail account at sawdustnationpodcast at gmail.com. And... As always, you can contact us, give us, you know, some questions, either voice clips or just type it out. And if you don't feel like that being aired on the Sawdust Nation podcast, go ahead. Just shoot us a question. We'll answer it. We'll find the answer or tell you what we know. And, uh, you know, if you're listening to this amazing podcast on Apple Podcasts, leave us a review. Leave us five stars. The more stars, the more better. The high, you know, the the more people we could reach because now we're up in a different tier and we want to be number one right up front as soon as you open up our Apple Podcasts. So the more reviews and the higher star rating, the the higher we get to, you know, be placed on there. And then we are on any podcast catcher that you use as well, Spotify, Google, Apple. They're all it's all there. You can even ask your little Alexa if she can play Sawdust Nation podcast and it will play the newest episode which is pretty cool. On top of that, as Josh is throwing stickers my way, um, we want to mention that StickerBeat has a promo code to use for the Sawdust Nation podcast. And uh, you'll receive 20% off of any order when you head over there and use the promo code Sawdust Nation. So we want to thank them for those. And we also have our own stickers uh, that we can send you. So send us a DM with your info and we'll get some uh, podcast stickers sent your way. Send it to either myself or Josh, or even if you have just the podcast Instagram, send it to that. And uh, that goes to Josh or myself as well. We want to thank Total Boat once again for sponsoring this special episode of Sawdust Nation podcast. We truly want to say thank you from the bottom of our hearts for Believing in us, believing in this podcast, and following us along in this journey of woodworking and podcasting. Because without you guys, you know, coming on board, I, I don't know. Um, I don't think Josh's cat was going to sponsor us. I put out some feelers, but she said no. She said meow no. But Total Boat, truly, thank you for uh, coming along board with us. And uh, we can't wait to show everybody, you know, what we do with the products that you had sent us. And thank you once again. Yes, thank you. Well, uh, with that, I think uh, we're going to have to see you guys next time. Yep. (laughs) I couldn't think of anything. Thank you for joining us on another installment of Sawdust Nation. This has been episode 22. We will catch you back here next week. And bye-byes. Sawdust Nation, out. And a big happy birthday to AJ. This last week he celebrated his birthday. So, happy birthday to you. Happy birthday to you. Happy birthday, dear AJ. Happy birthday to you. 
Now get in the garage and go make some sawdust, man.